Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. The shadow by my finger cast divides the future from the past. Behind its underturning line, the vanished hour no longer thine. Before it lies the unknown hour, in darkness and beyond thine power. One hour alone is in thine hands, the now on which the shadow stands. Good morning, everybody. That is a poem on the Wellesley College sundial, apparently. It is a sunny day here at the Tom Hartman Studios. There is a bit of cloudy and uncertainty because Tom Hartman is taking a break. I am Jeff Smith, your one-time favorite substitute teacher. It has been some time since we gathered together. The good news is that you are here, and this is your show. And as long as you are here, we can't lose. I'm back from COVID-era exile. It is marvelous to be with you. A lot has happened A tremendous amount has happened since I saw you and had a chance to talk to you last. We have a new president. I know it doesn't seem that new, but it's new to me. As the substitute teacher on this show, had to paint over my house. I can tell that story if anybody's curious. Supreme Court has eliminated rights. Nancy McLean called it. COVID has become something that we now just have to live with. During the previous president's regime, we failed to stamp it out when fewer than millions and millions and millions and millions of people had caught it. Hope everybody out there is healthy. Some things have stayed the same. Our country continues to be ravaged by intermittent mass shootings, mass gun murders. Hashtag watch your language. Calling them shootings, well... That removes the pain. We still have a democracy. We still have a republic, if we can keep it. We are perilously close to losing it. That is not merely partisan hype. There's a reason that when they put three members of Congress in front of the committee, two of them were elected as Republicans. It is worth having some gratitude that we still have 
a semblance of a democracy that we can't merely take it for granted that the issues we care about, that the matters we argue and debate about, assuming that they rest upon a firm foundation of a decision-making system where we're all stronger together than we are apart, we're reminded that we can't merely take that decision-making system for granted. We can't take for granted the idea that we're going to get together, try to figure things out, make decisions, and then try to make the world a little bit better rather than a lot worse. We can be grateful that such a system still has a darn chance. We don't live under a fully authoritarian regime. We have that to be thankful for. On today's show, when I come on, one of the things I want to do today, by the way, and one of the things I want to do today is some gratitude for Tom Hartman. Think about that for a little bit. We won't do it in the first hour, but you can think about it now. I'll say more about it later. When I come on, we like to talk about some deeper democracy themes, not only the issues of the day, although those merit, not just the cacophonous trouble, but some of the underlying base notes in our democracy conversation. We will have a chance today to talk to David Daly about voting rights, including the new group being formed by Steve Wynn. Remember Steve Wynn? He's the Vegas guy. Carl Rove, you remember Carl Rove? He's not the Vegas guy, but you remember the guy. And Bill Barr, restoring integrity and trust in elections. There's a quotation marks in my notes around that phrase. And some of not only what is happening now, but might be happening soon around voting rights and access to democracy. Also want to talk about hot democracy summer. Hashtag hot democracy summer. I think that was invented this very moment. If it wasn't, credit to whomever invented it. This is the summer before an election. The time grassroots organizers and democracy champions build strength. One of the things we'll talk about this morning, this afternoon to our dear friends on the East Coast, is what are you doing and what should each of us be doing to build a stronger democracy this summer? What can we be doing to prepare for November, because November doesn't happen in November. In fact, when they say November, it is misleading because it's the very beginning of the November. It's the very beginning of November. And anything you're going to do at the latest is going to be in October. But pretty much anything you're going to do in October is because you prepared in September, but really because you prepared in August and July and June and May, or heck, maybe 10 years ago, but certainly at least the summer prior. close friend of mine was running for a state Senate seat. I called him about a week before the election. How are you feeling? I was thinking he'd be in a fevered pitch. And his response was, well, my birds are in the air. That the work that he needed to do, the hour on that sundial that he could seize he could have some impact, but most of what he had to do had already been done. That time is now. For those of us who want to have an impact in, and I'll use quotation marks, November, the time to have impact is now. What do you want to do for hot democracy summer? The conference for Turning Point USA just happened. 
The more things change, the more they stay the same. You'll never guess who won the presidential straw poll at Turning Point USA. You might be surprised about the margin. I was. Mike Pence made a dig at Trump in their joint speeches recently. I think it's interesting to think about and try to understand what the state of the modern Republican Party is and the state of what the presidential candidacies might be and how that might impact. I try not to say midterms because that suggests less important. It's only less important by one race. It's a really important race. Everything else still pretty much happens. Just as many congressional seats, just as many U.S. Senate seats, just as many governor's races, just as many state legislative races, just as many school board races, just as many precinct committee person races, just as many dog catcher races. And I think that's zero because I don't think anywhere votes on dog catchers anymore. I will certainly put on the air, assuming I still remember how to operate the equipment, anybody who has a dog catcher election still in their jurisdiction. I don't think that's a thing anymore, but I would like to know if it is. We'll also have a chance to talk to Morris Pearl of Patriotic Millionaires. kind of want to ask Morris about patriotism. We can ask about being a millionaire. I don't know. But I want to ask about being a patriot and how we can think about patriotism through a pro-democracy lens. For so many of us who see an American flag, it brings to us so many Assumptions trigger so many emotions and memories. We think about it as a political tool. How often do we see it as something that ought to mean democracy? And finally, I return to this. I realize how grateful I am to be here and be here with you. And how grateful I am that there's a Tom Hartman show that exists. There is that old... Talkers Magazine article that rated, you know, the top 20 talk radio hosts in the United States by listenership. And if you looked at the people above and below and nestled around Tom on that list, I think pro-democracy not their top priority. I'm Jeff Smith, sitting in, honored to do it. It is hot democracy summer. Now we are joined... By Morris Pearl. Now, Morris Pearl is the head, is the chair of the Patriotic Millionaires. And I believe in order to be the head of the Patriotic Millionaires, it means you have to be the most patriotic and the most millionaire. I don't know if that means you're the richest or if you're the one that's closest to a millionaire. I don't know. And a million dollars is what it used to be when they were making movies without the title. Morris Pearl's with us. Morris, how you doing, man? Great to be in your show, Jeff. It is not. It, it's the people show, Morris. It's the people show, and you are part of the people, so it's your show. What are you doing this summer for Hot Democracy Summer? If if you've only heard recently that it's Hot Democracy Summer, that is not your fault. Okay, it's it's a new thing. We're getting it going now. But what are you doing this summer to make democracy better? Well, we the patriotic millionaires, we are starting field programs in places like North Carolina and not in the cities in the rural part and we are going there with our people and we're trying to talk to people and figure out why it is that people who we think 
should be in favor of our policies are voting against the leaders who are advocating policies, which we believe are helping people. So we're trying to do more listening and trying to figure out what the message is that we should be receiving from people who don't agree with us. What are some of the policies that, and you should remind people, some of the things that you, that your group focuses on? I think it'll be interesting to folks. And then, and I assume those are the policies that you're trying to get feedback about. Sure. The main thing we've been focusing on is the idea that people like us, who are millionaires, who are rich people, should pay at least the same tax rates as people who work for a living. Currently, the way the system works, I pay a tax rate that's much lower than almost anyone who actually works, since all of my income comes from capital gains, and I've almost no earned income at all. And we think that's just not right. It's not fair. It's making the rich get richer and richer and richer, as typical Americans just fall farther and farther behind. And that's making our country lose the opportunities that it had when I was growing up. I want my children, and now I have a grandchild, to grow up with the same kind of opportunities I had when I was growing up. And that does not mean living in a nation with a few rich people of everything and millions and millions of people that can't really afford to do things like buy expensive shoes and expensive ice cream and all the things that made the members of our patriotic millionaires millionaires. What are you hearing so far? You know, if somebody said, well, wait a minute. Gas is more expensive. I blame Obama. Or maybe they blame Biden or Pelosi or, I don't know, somebody else. Uh, and the price of the grocery store, price of grocery stores have gone up. And my Bitcoin, my Bitcoin, it's now harder for me to engage in human trafficking activities and drug deals because my Bitcoin prices have gone down. That's not usually what people say. Uh, what, are, what are the... Uh, uh, what are you hearing or what is your response to what you're hearing so far? Well, frankly, what I hear, you know, A, most people agree with us. Most people agree with us in every policy question that we bring up. So we're trying to figure out why kind of on election day they send a different message than they do when we're asking them about policy questions. Uh, so that's one thing we're trying to figure out. The few people who don't agree with us, you know, for instance, a guy came up and said, oh, I'm a doctor and I work full time in this hospital over here and I pay a huge amount of taxes. I don't want to pay more taxes. That's ridiculous. And I said, well, yes, that's right. You work full time and you pay a much higher tax rate than I do since I don't even work at all. And so I think a lot of some people don't quite get the idea that we're not trying to raise tax on people who work for a living. We're trying to raise tax on people who don't work at all, but are already rich and don't pay taxes on the money they make. So, so that essentially, and this is when they when they're working to cut capital gains taxes and cut inheritance taxes, that it was somewhat absurd to me. It it it, it was surprising to me. That there was not, that there was a strong constituency for, and not a huge backlash against an idea that money that is unearned, money that you just get because you own things, would be taxed at a lower rate, would be promoted more by governmental tax policy than 
money earned by working for a living. Like that is, it, it, it's hard for me to imagine that anybody behind a Rawlsian veil of ignorance or anybody with no, just paying attention to anything would, would like that idea. I've got a response to your answer. What's your hunch or what's Patriotic Millionaire's hunch on why, although when you go out, you see you know, across party, across voting behavior, population, people saying, well, yeah, we ought to, we ought to have taxation based on ability to pay. We ought to have taxation for, uh, for ownership that at least has parity with taxation for, for working, for producing something. Uh, why do you think that that doesn't always indicate voting behavior consonant with those notions? Well, I'm not sure. That's why we're trying to yeah. figure this out. Uh, one possible thing that I've been thinking about is the idea that, frankly, most people, a lot of people don't care about tax policy. You know, frankly, if I pay more taxes, that's not going to really affect your life one way or the other. Um, and so people are concerned about other things. Oh, my God, everyone in the country is getting you know, the next kind of flu. You know, oh, my God, people are coming from Mexico with, you know, smuggling drugs. That's the big thing in along the Canadian border, northern Montana, by the way, is Mexican immigration. Um, you know, and so it's easy to get people afraid if you tell them, oh, somebody's coming to murder your children in their school. Um, of course, it's harder to actually get them to do anything about that. But um, I think it's a matter of. People get frightened by something. Another answer is that people want to blame somebody for whatever's going wrong. You know, it's like Lyndon Johnson said, they'll let you pick their pockets all day as long as they can look down upon people with a different skin color than they have. And that's some of it. They think, oh, my God, these Democrats, they're going to help the few people who are below me and then I'll be tied for the bottom. And I don't want that. Yeah. Um, so people are afraid. Yeah, and what, one argument. Thank you so much for for your work, Morris. Thanks for thanks for being here. Uh, uh, one could make the argument if you were going to strip everything away and say, well, the reason Fox News exists is that so people won't vote based on trying to make sure there's economic policy that's better for more people, make sure there's tax policy that is more fair, more sensible, but so that people will vote based on something that can trigger them for, you know, as long as the next election cycle lasts and why that Matt Gates will go up at the Turning Point USA conference and just personally insult any and, and, and physically insult. And I, I'm not going to play the clip because it's just mean. And I don't want to give them the airtime, but just physically insult anybody who shows up at a pro-choice pro rally, that if you can make the team defined around just beating the other team, not around solving a particular problem, but just beating the other team, you can hold the team together. Morris, how can people find out more about your work? Patrioticmillionaires.org. Thanks Look at so patrioticmillionaires.org. Thanks so much for doing it, man. Thank you. Great to be in your show. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman two ends before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us 
and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro-kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance, so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. The topic today is democracy, as I believe should be the topic at least for a portion of our lives. Could be a small portion, but for a portion of our lives every day. And in that topic of democracy, we have a guest. It is David Daly, the former chief editor of Salon, now senior fellow at Fair Vote, author of the new book, Unrigged, How Americans Are Battling Back to save democracy, hashtag hot democracy summer. I'm workshopping it. Maybe I'm done workshopping. I just like it. I don't know if you do. But I think hashtag hot democracy summer. But David Daly, who is tracking issues on voting rights, gerrymandering or gerrymandering. By the way, his name was Elbridge Gary, not Elbridge Jerry. But that's another matter entirely. He's also tracking the group that Steve Wynn, Bill Barr, and Carl Rove are putting together to talk about that. Why don't we bring on David Daly right now? Mr. Daly, thank you so much for joining us. Hot democracy summer, indeed. Good to be here, Jeff. There you go. See, if David Daly is with us, we can't lose. We can't lose. First of all, how is your hot democracy summer? What are you doing this summer? Man, it is a really hot democracy summer. I'm in D.C. right now. It is so humid. It is, uh, boy, uh, it's been brutal. Uh, Tending out of baseball games with our nine-year-old son and um, just having a good time. What time do they do the baseball games? It's, it is a question to me whether human beings are supposed to live in Washington, D.C. I know that we boy. need them there, but it's a question to me whether they were really supposed to be there for much of the year. What time do they play the baseball mm-hmm. games, and how hot is it during those baseball games? We sat outside at Camden Yards on Saturday night to watch Baltimore, and at the 7.05 game time, it was 97 degrees. We were dying. And it was not a dry heat in Washington, D.C., and Camden Yards in Maryland is not a dry heat. No. Uh, there, there was no wind. It was, it, was, um, it was a rough night, and a rough night for our Yankees as well. So um, it was a sad democracy summer at Camden Yards. 
So the new book is Unrigged, How Americans Are Battling Back to Save Democracy. The title says some of it. Uh, what are some of the what are some of the maybe inspiring stories or, or glimmers of hope that you're bringing to light in the book? Sure. Um, well, this is a fascinating moment, right? I mean, in many ways, the citizens are at war with their own representatives trying to find ways around entrenched white minority rule that the courts and state legislatures around the country have been enacting and perpetuating. Um, So in this moment where people believe that things might be hopeless or that there's not much that can be done, I went around the country and I tried to tell stories of successful battles that regular citizens participated in and won. For example, in Michigan, where a citizen constitutional amendment drive put an end to some of the worst partisan gerrymanders of the last couple of decades in that state, where Democratic candidates had won more votes for the state house in each of the last five elections over the course of the last decade, but never taken control of the state house. Citizens, led by a 27-year-old who posted it on Facebook, actually uh, kick-started a drive that led to 435,000 signatures. They raised millions of dollars, and um, they won with 61% of the votes. And Katie Fahey. Katie Fahey is were, a hero. Exactly. Kate, she, she, she is. The lines that were drawn there uh, this year are going to be the first fair maps in the state of Michigan in probably two decades as a result of what citizens in Michigan came together and did. Katie Fahey, she's a fellow democracy nerd. We've had her a couple times on that on that podcast, and she's remarkable. So that's an inspiring story. I love the story. Gerrymandering, gerrymandering reform, particularly in purple states, is a marvelous move. What, give another inspiring story that could help fire people up for their own democracy summer. I rode around Idaho with the citizen reformers of Reclaim Idaho, um, where it was one of those states where the state legislature refused, refused, refused to expand Obamacare and to take the federal money to help people that were uh, trapped in that donut hole, right? Um, And they probably did so because Obamacare carries the name of a black man. And in Idaho, that is a no-go. And... It's a rural state. Rural health care really matters. And some uh, uh, millennials in their 20s, they turned an old RV into something called the Medicaid Express, and they crusaded around every corner of this red, red, red state, right? I mean, Michigan's a purple state. Idaho is, you know, the uh, color of Taylor Swift's lipstick. And they went out to every corner in this RV. They collected the signatures that they needed. They overcame harsh opposition. And they won Medicaid expansion in Idaho with more than 60% of the vote. And so when there was a pandemic and rural health care was so important over these last couple of years, their neighbors were covered. Another inspiring story. We're talking to David Daly, his book, Unrigged. It's not all good news. Not everything you track is about hope, sweetness, and light. Not everything you talk about, not everything you write about 
and cover is about bending the arc of history towards justice. That you're also tracking, I think, something which I am not, which I'm hoping you can bring us some facts that I can't bring us, which is the uh, new group that Steve Wynn, Bill Barr, and Carl Rove are putting together. What, what can you tell us about that? This is really the ultimate cases of uh, foxes guarding, uh, guarding hen houses, right? Steve Wynn, a deeply wealthy a New Jersey, Nevada casino magnate, uh, Carl Rove, who has been uh, really the architect of the Republican gerrymandering scheme over the past two decades. And these folks are coming together to bring a lot of money into a group that they are claiming is going to restore trust and integrity to elections. Uh, I would suggest that this is going to be a dark money group that actually probably works to undermine (laughs) trust and integrity in elections, and that we ought to be watching really, really carefully what it is that they are up to, because, I mean, Rove and his allies have spent the last decade and a half scheming, um, really with the goal of enacting one-party Republican minority rule, and they've been really, really successful at it. After the 2018 elections, for example, there were 59 million Americans who lived in a state in which one or both chambers of the state legislature was controlled by the party that won fewer votes. And I don't think I probably have to tell you that it was due to their redistricting efforts and their gerrymandering that all 59 million of those people lived in a state in which Democratic candidates won more votes and Republicans held control anyway. This really matters, you know? I mean, when we're talking about gerrymandering, we're not talking about some you know, hoity-toity political science term. We're talking about consent of the governed. We're talking about whether citizens can still come together and turn out their government or whether that government in, in purple states can enact things like reproductive rights bans, uh, draconian personhood abortion bans in states like Ohio and, and, and Georgia that do not support these things. David, I wonder about, if you're John C. Calhoun, if you're John C. Calhoun, yeah. and the basic argument you're making is that property should have supremacy over people. And, and of course, when John C. Calhoun is making that case, he's making that case around slavery. But as Nancy McLean made the case historically and effectively uh, in her book, Democracy in Chains, the, yep. uh, the same arguments get dusted off in the wake of Brown versus Board of Education to justify the creation of all-white private schools since there aren't going to be all-white public schools in the South anymore. This idea that property rights should be supreme over people. The property power should be uh, supreme over people. Now, I can understand why if you're on that team, you'd want to draw districts so that people would have less influence because people are kind of the problem. Because people might vote for things that limit your ability to control property, whether that property is, you know, progressive taxation, whether that property is human beings 150 years ago. Yeah, I was about to say, sometimes that property is people, right. So, so I get that. What I want to understand, or what I'm hoping there might be opportunity yeah. in, is are there any opportunities within the Republican coalition to be in favor of sort of sensible... Uh, map drawing, uh, or is that just so Pollyannish and absurd? Is that just as to barely merit me asking the question? 
Your there pause no gives me my answer, by the way. Your, your pause gives me my answer, <laughs> but go ahead. There are no redistricting angels in this nation. It is not as if one party or the other party has got all of the virtue on the question of gerrymandering over our nation's history. Um, Republicans have done it. Democrats have done it. Ronald Reagan fought against it in, in, his, in his 1988 farewell address. Um, Kevin McCarthy backed independent redistricting commissions in California. Nancy Pelosi opposed them. You can find some principled Republicans who are against the Democratic gerrymanders in places like Maryland and New York and Illinois, and who also believe that the Republican gerrymanders in in North Carolina and, and Florida and Michigan are beyond the bounds of fairness. Um, but if you are to look at the modern history of gerrymandering, by which I mean what happened after the 2010 the census, when the technology jumps by such magnitudes that it's gerrymandering on steroids. And the map-making software is so sophisticated. The data is so precise, and there's so much of it, that Republicans who had a big win in the 2010 election, and thanks to Carl Rose, they had a strategy to win in the right places. They were able to draw district lines that survived electoral waves, cycle after cycle. And that's what the problem right now is in states like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. David, they're taking us to break. North Carolina. They're taking us to break. People should check out at David Daily 3 and at Fair Vote. David, we appreciate you so much. Anytime. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we are back. It is the Martin Program. I'm Jefferson Smith sitting in. Honored, grateful, appreciative for being here and for you and your phone calls. 
What are you doing for Hot Democracy Summer? I'll give you a few things. I'll give you a few things that are options. So we've talked about voter registration. We've talked about neighbor to neighbor. We've talked about registering voters. We've talked about just saying, just saying, hey, remember to vote. We've talked about doing more than voting because it's baseline. It's a baseline expectation. Uh, prepping for the fall, recognizing that having an active turnout enterprise. You know what they talk about? Here's a fun fact. When they talk about the enthusiasm gap back in, uh, I think it was Obama's second midterm election, uh, what was really happening then, I think it was really happening then, was, uh, was that the biggest voter registration and voter turnout mechanisms, including nonpartisan ones, the five biggest, had all kind of stopped doing their thing. That includes the Obama campaign wasn't doing its thing. It included two of the biggest funders in that sector. And I know because I worked in that sector. I registered voters. I still care about it. Uh, the two biggest funders, one because they lost some of their money in the, with the economy, the other because they started focusing more of their attention on drug policy. Uh, the uh, big nonpartisan drive Pew Charitable Trust had operated their young voter project or new voter project, excuse me, for like 12 years and they stopped. Uh, the uh, uh, another big voter registration drive was ACORN. That was uh, the the Veritas Project uh, and others did a coordinated campaign to try to take that down and were successful. Uh, the, the biggest voter registration efforts, big the, the sort of funding muscle machines in the country, all went away. And then you'd hear media pundits say, "Oh, enthusiasm gap." Let's be really clear. How you get people to vote is to remind them to vote. That's what it, how it works. First time I voted, I was in college. Buddy of mine, Trevor, said, Jeff, you voted. It was election day. One of the last elections of my state that was before we went all vote by mail. He said, Jeff, you voted yet? I said, no. He said, well, come on. I got in his truck. We went and voted. I, I, if I, I wasn't going to vote, not because I was protesting it, but just because I'd kind of forgotten. I probably might have remembered. But the reason I definitely remembered and definitely went because Trevor said, hey, you voted yet? No. Well, come on. And I got a struck and we voted. Doing that at scale, getting lots of people reminded and registered and actually turning out, that's how it happens. More than enthusiasm, more than media chatter or a clever tweet. It is the work that Judy and Patty and other people have been doing of calling here who are engaging in their hot democracy summer. And then they're steeled for democracy fall. Let's call it autumn. Democracy fall doesn't sound very good. Let's say democracy autumn. <laughs> say democracy October. Democracy September. Right now, it's hot democracy it's summer. That, that's how it happens. That's how enthusiasm is built. It is, not merely, it, it is not merely large policy concerns. It is relationship, brick by brick, person by person, phone call by phone call, postcard by postcard, door knock by door knock church and labor union and environmental organization and feminist organization and rally and not only protesting but working to build not only to anger not only to critique both things are important but to build that's how it happens i want to go to kara kara from indianola oregon kara you are on the air wow hey hey how are you i am well <laughs> thanks for being patient on. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I was sort of thinking I wasn't going to make it, but um, hey, I'd like to talk to you. Um, I I work voluntarily with an organization called CELDEF, K 
Community Environmental Legal Defense Fund. Oh, great. And one of the things they have is Democracy School. Oh, that's great. And what we learned at Democracy School is that, and I'm so sorry to say this, but no, we don't, we don't truly have a democracy. Sure. And the, and the founders and framers didn't really set it up that way. And so, you know, they were the two percent, one percenters, less than one, they were the, you know, extremely wealthy property owners, white, and it was set up for none of us to vote. The people, women, people of color, natives, nobody could vote back then. So we've had to fight for things since then. But the, but the major point that we're coming down to is rewriting, we have to write our own laws again. Like the, the, the Constitution is outdated. It's outdated for protecting people, we the people, and the environment. And so it's coming down to the fact that it's all about the structure of our laws, which are based on the Constitution, as you know. So I mean, people keep thinking we're in this democracy. Well, we they call it Disney democracy. <laughs> I mean, for local local state, you know, for, it is it is democracy to a certain degree. But ultimately, who now would we have Citizens United? There's been six other Supreme Court decisions starting in the 1800s leading up to Citizens United that have given more and more power to to corporations, to, to business, and that's because of the, the, the um, Commerce Clause in the Constitution. So, And it, it was fixed against self-governance from the start, despite us all being taught or being told that we're the most democratic land on the planet, and the U.S. Constitution is a brilliant document in service to people's authority. Well, it never really was. So, Kara, say again that we've got was. 45 seconds. So say again the part okay. about what we've got to do. We need to rewrite. We need to make America 2.0. <laughs> we need to rewrite the Constitution actually for we the people and we the planet and we all colors of people and all shapes and sizes of people, no matter who you're married to. It's government. You know, it's all make-believe. It's based on make-believe that we the people have a voice. We have to rewrite the Constitution, and change the whole structure that's all based on. Because the structure is broken. Structure doesn't work. It's working for the wealthy, not for us. Kara, thank you so much. And I will go, I don't know if I'm going to go further, but I will also go pretty far. Thank you so much for your call. So I'm not a democracy fundamentalist, but I am a democ- I am passionate about it. I am a democracy loyalist. Uh, and I am now m- much more interested in things like sortition and things like citizen juries that make real decisions in, in fundamental structural reforms. Sortition is essentially democracy with fewer politicians. I'm not trying to knock politicians. I just don't think they're the whole answer. And including alternative voting systems, hashtag star voting, you can check that one out, than ever before because I agree with you. We need some fundamental change. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're going to go straight to Don. I am a theologian, and so I can explain that religion has this problem of organizing the saved. Because it goes like, you got to sell some. If you do a religion and it's free and everybody can have it and you don't, you don't have to do anything other than love and grace, it's hard to have a uh, budget, put it Yeah, that you, can, you can't pay any staff. You can't pay any rent. You can't buy any buildings. Yeah, you, you can't got, do any marketing. You got it exactly right. So oh. the symbol of salvation is sold by religion. It's always fake. You're a clergy. Always fake. 
I'm clergy. There is if you chase if you think you need to be saved, you got a problem. Any any Calvin, plug any plug you want to put in for how you something you hope people do between now and yeah. let's say I don't know end of the summer. Oh sure, I give out raspberries, baby. I give out the best raspberries in the world. There you go. I'm everybody. telling you, hashtag Berry I'm Coalition. I'm on that. Look, Jefferson, I got plants and I got uh, berries, and I'm sitting here. I had a shoulder operation, so I'm having a hard time picking them this year. So I'm trying to get people to come by and dig them up and take them home and and pick half and give, give maybe half of the pick, and it's been working really well. And people I'll love you, the berries. And taste these berries. Their eyes do a dance because they've never tasted <laughs> anything like it before, man. It's there you beautiful. go, dog. There you go. Berry Coalition. And the music. Oh, the music, baby. I'm a jazz player. And I can't wait to get myself healthy enough to get back out there with the fine bands we got in town and just have this thing be a party. After all, if we're selling joy and love, why should we be all grim? Can't be part of the revolution if you can't dance. Go Thank dance, you so baby. much, Don. Go Appreciate dance. you. Be well. You bet. Love you, man. Love you, too. Cynthia from Denver, you're on Speed Round. Hey, um, I have a song for you. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not going to sing it, but for your uh-huh. theme song. Okay. Uh, how about Sly and the Family Stone, Hot Fun in the Summertime? Oh, that's a good song. That is yeah, that is that is a good suggestion for the Hot Democracy Summer Anthem. <laughs> that yeah, is. Change some of the lyrics to fit the democratic message. Well, and I, I would say if we did enough of the change, then maybe Nate would let us play it. He'll never let you play music because he won't get in trouble on YouTube. But, uh, well, but I love it. Yeah, and here's here's what I wanted to say. Go ahead. You know, truth has to become bolder in confronting lies. Mm. And I believe that if President Biden would give a primetime speech and just lay it out about Trump all the people, name names, put them all on the front page about the big lie from state to state, and just get this over with. I'm really tired of the Democrats being enablers. They're such great enablers of the GOP. And, you know, this old way of dealing with stuff has got to go. We need AOC and the squad, if you will, out front mouthing the messages that people can hear. They can't hear right now because it's the same garbled gobbledygook, you know. I hear uh, you. I hear you, Cynthia. I, I, and, I, and I appreciate the call. And I appreciate the song suggestion. It's a good song suggestion. And thank you so much for supporting the show. And thank you for listening. I appreciate you. I will say quickly about it. And I have this conversation with one of my best friends. And he shares your, Cynthia, shares your sort of frustration. Why don't, why doesn't blank say blank? Why won't they stand up and be, be, be bolder? I love your line, by the way. Truth has to become bolder. I love it. I wrote it down. It's brilliant. Uh, I will say that Mitch McConnell does not wield his power based on his public speeches. He wields his power based on the position he's in, and he relies on the public speeches of others. He relies on the media operations of others. He, he relies on the organizing of others that I think we can expect too much if we expect all of our leadership to come from political leaders, from elected leaders. I don't want to take them off the hook. Right. They need I, I agree with you. Truth has to be bolder. And I will say we can't absolve ourselves from responsibility. And that's why I appreciate people who support this show. It's, I would say on shows like it, but there kind of isn't there kind of aren't shows like it. Now, there's some podcasts I support, et cetera, but there's, you know, there's not much like this. So 
we have got to make sure their communication mechanisms, we don't put all of it on, I don't know, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi. They're not running most of the conversation. It's supposed to be speed round, so I'm going to shut up. Uh, John from Seattle, you're on the air. Uh, hi, thanks. Um, can I plug my favorite volunteer organization? Do it! It's uh, Common Power. We've got a website, uh, commonpoweralloneword.org. And uh, the organization was organized by a a University of Washington professor. Uh, We have seven state teams. I'm on Team Texas. Uh, We just finished uh, phone banking for the Texas primary. Now we're phone banking for the the Harris County Democratic Party, and they're just running through their uh, list of Democratic voters. We're checking, you know, which... uh, which phone numbers have been disconnected? Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, which folks have moved? Yeah. And, and give, give the website again. It's an it's it's commonpower.org, and what we're doing in now is in preparation for the general, of course. Commonpower.org. John from Seattle. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for calling, and thanks for doing it. It's a great way to help. Mike from Fresno, you are on speed round. You've been waiting patiently. Uh, hey, uh, do you remember Newt Gingrich's uh, contract with America? Of course. Uh, could Joe Biden go on TV and do a contract with America and say, if you get me three more senators and allow us to hold the House, I will get rid of uh, billionaire, billionaires having unlimited money and corporations not being people? Now, I'll make those two promises to you if you just get me some senators. I think it's, What do you uh, think? I, I, well, I like – so first I'll cite the thing I was just saying, that, that – uh, very often, like even like January 6th uh, committee, right? My dad watched these things with rapt attention, the whole thing. He says, oh, now, now public opinion will change because everybody's going to have seen this. And what, like 17 million, 18 million people did see uh, the, the last night that I watched. The, uh, uh, but Fox News is not watching it, right? So it didn't change any of their minds. So I, I don't want to put all, I don't, like the day that, a, that, the, that the great big press conference uh, is going to change is going to change the world uh, that change went away uh, the what what is true what I still think we can uh, what I what I love about what you said is that I think of the president I love the idea of give me three more senators and we'll do blank I think that's pretty smart I think it's good politics and I think it's good messaging it's a good question to fill in the blank Right. What Gingrich yes. did with the contract with America was identify things that were that would motivate his base and that received, you know, blank percentage of public support. Right. So it was it was stuff that it seemed popular and it was stuff that was that was firmly entrenched within their base's values. If you can find where well, that list is two, three, four, six, probably can't be seven. Well, maybe it could be seven. Certainly couldn't be one hundred and two. Uh, the and then say, give me three more senators and we'll do this short list of things. I think that's pretty smart. What are you going to do for Hot Democracy Summer? We've already had people suggesting songs that they or a friend of theirs have written. One person sang it, which we appreciated. It was very nice. What are you doing for Hot Democracy Summer? Judy, near Detroit, Michigan. I will start with what I am immediately doing for Hot Democracy Summer as we speak. Um, As as I've been listening to you, I have uh, written out 18 of the 20 postcards that I pledged to vote uh, to write out for postcards to voters. Oh, it's fantastic. um, 
These are getting mailed from Michigan to voters in Kansas, um, urging them to vote no on the constitutional amendment that could easily ban abortion completely in the state. So that's what I've done today so far. I Locally, I'm supporting um, two uh, financially, five and ten dollars at a time when I can, and also um, uh, through writing postcards for them. Uh, local state rep and state senate can- candidates, as you discussed earlier, Michigan was successful in redistricting, but we have five seats that are pivotal for us to win in order to take over um, the state. And I happen to live in one of those districts, so um, Jamie Churches is running for state rep here. I've been helping out her campaign as much as I can. She's a fantastic teacher, not a politician, has never run for office before, and she'll be an amazing state rep. But my point of that my phone call is there's something for almost every person to do. Voting is amazing and voting is wonderful, but just voting honest to God is not enough. You need to get five people that you know who never vote and get them to vote. You need to get young people and vote. Call your local League of Women Voters chapter. I, I uh, For uh, March, April, and May, I went to local high schools and helped register 17 and 18-year-olds there. We have to get more people involved than normally vote or everything is going to stay the same. Um, but there's lots that you can do. There's lots that, that anybody can do, even if you only have an hour a week. If you devote it to Uh, calling voters or helping out a local campaign or helping out your local Democratic club instead of browsing social media, you will have made a difference, I promise. Amen. Can I can I respond to that before you go? The uh, of course. uh, So so one of the first of all, thank you. And for people who are engaged in grassroots turnout efforts and grassroots base building efforts, it's that's the real work, right? That's the real work. And, if, you, and if you've delivered some berries to your neighbor recently, when you come and bring them a pamphlet, they'll know it's because you're doing both things because you love them, right? Not because yeah. it's some weird scheme. Uh, yeah. The uh, one of one of Biden's challenges, one of the challenges in the last election, when many indicators pointed to an even larger victory, right? was that the Democratic turnout machine was masked up and social distancing, and the anti-maskers were more out in force. That is probably one of the factors that led to Biden winning the electoral vote more narrowly than some anticipated. It almost certainly cost some number of hundreds of thousands of votes nationwide. There weren't as many people out canvassing, knocking on doors in previous years. Well, yeah. hot democracy summer, anything people can do to take Judy's advice and engage and find five voters, whether you're doing it through a neighbor-to-neighbor program, whether you're doing it as a precinct committee person, whether you're doing like a bus project thing, where you're going out to key swing districts, uh, that, that, those are wonderful ways. Judy, any closing thought? Um, yeah, just to add to that, um, there's a phrase that we use at our meetings when we're just talking to our members, go for the low-hanging fruit. The low-hanging fruit is your waitress your um the the your uber driver the, your nephew who hey tom who are you going to vote for ah, i'm not going to vote why this is why you know in michigan i tell them marijuana was on the ballot how do you think we got that passed because young people came out and voted for it so they can make a difference they need to feel it but but engage the people within your own little circle it's so much less overwhelming for people to think of it that way than to think of trying to find, you know, random strangers to register them to vote. So that's all. Judy, thank you so much. No, just the simple the simple act. If we could get 500,000 people just to say when they're checking out in the grocery line, remember to vote. 
Or if you want to plug a, par- a political party, vote democratically or vote in city council election. Uh, if people would just ha- just that little thing takes three seconds, uh, it would have significant impact on culture in the United States. But building those networks of democracy locally, building them with networks of sort of mutual compassion, even mutual aid, not having them being merely only about our relationship shouldn't only be about voting, making sure they're also about sort of connecting with humanity. But not only yes, but heck yes. Jim from San Diego, you're on speed round. Hey, how you doing? I'm in a kind of a bad signal area. Can you hear me, though? I hear you well. You know, I'm just trying to figure out how do I get some of my retired friends who are comfortable, their house is paid off, they're receiving their retirement, they're on government, whatever. How do I get them out to vote? They're just sort of like blah. Do they not vote or is voting all they do? No, you know what? They're, they're just feeling kind of distraught about the whole situation. And the mindset is, why vote? What's the big deal? What, what do you recommend? All right. Uh, it's, uh, thanks for the question. The, I appreciate it, Jim. So since it's speed round, we give the short answer. I'll be back on the 5th, and, and I'll, I'll, I can actually give longer because I think it's, a, it's one of the most important questions. So academically, what motivates the most voting behavior is what people, and you know, psychologically, you know, in every, in every discipline, what motivates voting behavior is what someone suggests or tells you to do who you know and trust. That's why churches are so effective. That's why the Howard Dean's 50 state strategy, making sure that that's why that was effective. That's sort of mechanically the thing that matters most. Once you have that conversation, uh, I, try, I try to have genuine conversations and come up with things that really matter. In terms of just voting, it's like, well, of course you're going to vote. You vote every time. Okay, so, so voting is a baseline, right? So I, I, I try to just say, oh, I, not just, oh, please, please, please vote unless there's resistance. That. Well, I said, you're going to vote. The question is, because it's your, it's your basic responsibility. This is me talking. Uh, the question is, should you do more? And if I'm going to try to get somebody, somebody to do something more, I try to find out something they care about. And then I try to find out something they care about they can map to that overlaps with a way to have impact on it. And very often, by the way, that's not merely a congressional election or presidential election. Very often, it's something in their own community. Very often, it's something their city council could pass. Very often, it's something they could do themselves or be a tiny, tiny part of doing themselves. I try to find something that they care about that connects to what we all need, what we all care about, and get them engaged in that respect. Not only get them to care about what I care about, but helping empower them to act on stuff they care about. I could say more about it, but instead, we're going to Scott from California City. Speed round. Aloha, my brother. Hello. Aloha, can you hear me? Aloha, I can hear you. I was just, I was just wanted to say that that we're working with 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 paradigms that are that are older than us. Some of them, 150, 170 years old, and they go back all the way to uh, 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 slavery. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit a bunch of topics real quick. But speed Uh, around, uh, so try to keep it to two. So so uh, so. Well, what we do is we have we have fake issues here that that we're told that this is what people con- are, are concerned about, and, and when in fact it has nothing to do. It's like the farmers; they have their their issues: four hundred one k, Social Security, Medicare. All these things are things that people that people absolutely care about. You know, they, <clears throat> they and they want, but that's not what's being addressed. Because if you take a thousand people and you say, okay, if everybody dips in their 401k and we, we, uh, uh, come up with a hundred thousand dollars to purchase X, 
there's only one person in that thousand person people that can come up with that with with that kind of money out of their 401k to buy that thing because nobody has it. So you said the paradigm is broken. Uh, what's the piece that's broken, or what do you what do you suggest we do to fix it? Well, all the paradigms that we're working with, we're, we're, the the models that we're working with are 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 so old and antiquated that 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 they haven't kept up with the times in a myriad of subjects all the way across the board. I agree with you. And we're on speed round. I appreciate the call. No, we still, we have moved in to a new world in so many respects and how we organize ourselves. And we still govern ourselves in with, with antiquated structures. No question. We have to not only reboot our phones, we've got to reboot our democracy. So I, I, I appreciate you. Jackie from Port Townsend, Washington. Hi, um, I'm guessing that most voters don't pay much attention to what their elected officials are doing and may be shocked and mad if they knew about their voting records. So I go to votesmart.org, and it's very easy to see people's voting records. And for instance, and Republicans vote as a block normally. There are some exceptions, possibly, uh, on certain bills. But for instance... Family Violence and Services Improvement Act, Protecting Older Workers Against Discrimination Act, Paycheck Fairness Act, Bipartisan Background Checked Act, Consumer Fuel Price Gouging Prevention Act, Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act. And you're saying we're on speed. We're on speed round. We got just a couple minutes and a bunch of people waiting. So, so you're saying people should check out Project Vote Smart and look at actual voting records. I agree. Yes, because they vote. No on all that stuff. Well, I appreciate you. All right. So we're going to have to say goodbye. I want to say thank you to you and to Vino, who wanted to suggest conducting polls through the Nextdoor app. Jim from Port Townsend, the director for Wise Democracy, pushing for social innovations. Want to plug that. Uh, Paul, who didn't get a chance to get on, who said everyone needs to vote blue. And Patrick, uh, who's there on the Tom Hartman app, who wanted to plug a song. Feel free to share that on, on one of the digital channels. Here's what I want to say is I want to say thank you. Thank you for being so polite and kind to me. Thank you for supporting this show, the staff that makes this show possible, who are able to put up with me for a day and make sure the show still happens. It gives Tom a little bit of a break, which we appreciate. And he has been going pretty much nonstop for two and a half years during the pandemic. I I have to assume for many of you, he was a, a, a welcome and appreciated friend and voice of reason during that time. I appreciate that very much. It's Hot Democracy Summer. We're going to get the government we deserve. I think we sometimes get a little bit worse than we deserve. But how can we deserve better? What can each of us do? How can each of us work to make things a little bit better rather than a lot worse? I appreciate you. You are the coalition of benevolently irrational, the good people doing good things for no good reason. You are priceless. Definition of priceless, worth a lot, not for sale. And with you, democracy is possible. Thanks, everybody. This is the Hartman Program. Be well. Love you. been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.